How's everybody doing? Come on, give God a hand clap today. Praise God. You guys looking good, man. I'm serious. I ain't lying to y'all. This fast got y'all looking real good today. Uh, we are in day 12. How many guys still holding on? Y'all still holding on? All right, Carrie. <laughs> By the strength of God, right? <laughs> By his grace. Praise God. All right. Everybody doing good? Yes, all right, y'all. So we're, we're trying to get through this series in Samuel. We've been walking through the whole entire book of 1 Samuel. Um, how many of you guys have been getting anything out of it? Any nuggets, any points? All right, all right. Praise God. Praise God. So we are going to continue our series today. I want to try to be done 1 Samuel by next Sunday. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to knock out chapters 24, 25, 26, and 27 today. Uh, we're going to do 28, 29 on Wednesday. And then we're going to close with Wesley's favorite chapter, chapter 31, with David and Ziglag on next Sunday. All right, so we're going to wait for Wesley to shout, and then we all going to go up <laughs> next Sunday, all right? So we're at chapter 24 today. Um, I'm going to just flow today. Is, is that all right? Yeah. All right, so I don't have, uh, I can't go verse by verse. If I go verse by verse, we'll, we will be here till about 3 o'clock, and y'all will never come back. So I want to try to uh, move as fast as I can. All right, yeah, yeah, you can keep it up there, and you'll hear me. So I'll just say chapter 25. You'll know to go to chapter 25. All right, so we understand that David is on the run. All right, how many of y'all been following me up to that point? David is on the run. David has, uh, he, he ran to the land of Ziph. Y'all remember that last week? And when he ran to the Ziph, the Ziphites ran over to Saul, uh, who was after David to tell David that David was dwelling in Ziph. As David goes up a mountain, Saul's coming up the other side of the mountain. They're getting ready to have this clash of the Titans. And then Saul gets word that the Philistines are invading Israel. And Saul basically retreats from coming up against David to go handle the situation over and uh, with the Philistines. So now we see here that David now runs to another city. Here in the 25th or 24th chapter, we see uh, David now goes and he runs to a wilderness near En Gedi. You ever heard of En Gedi before? Uh, Dad Herbert sent a few of us a photos this week. It's a beautiful place, caves, waterfalls. A lot of times we think of a wilderness and we think that it's some kind of droughtful, desolate, awful looking place, but Dave was actually in a nice, peaceful place. But before I get there, I want you to think about something for just a couple minutes. Saul has been chasing David up to this point for almost 10 years. Now y'all see how many chapters we've been going through. We're on, the, the title of this message is On the Run Part 4. <laughs> we've been dealing with David being chased by Saul for at least the last four Sundays. So for 40 of his years as king, 10 of those years were pursuing David. Which meant he has spent a quarter of his kingship, a quarter of the time that he should be at the happiest point of his life, trying to get revenge or vengeance on somebody. I want you to think about that for just a couple moments. I want you to think about you lived your whole entire life and for 25% of it, you lived bitter towards someone. You're 80 and for 20 years, you've sat around angry at somebody out of the 80 years that you've been living. This is what Saul is going through now. Imagine how much that eats you up. And imagine how much time you lose 
of your life because you're bitter and you have hostility towards somebody for a quarter of your life. Let's just have a personal reflection for just a moment. And think about those two, three years that you've held resentment against someone. Think about how much it's kept you up at night. Think about how many times they walked in a room and it just took over your emotion. Think about all the evil things that you thought of to get back at that person. Think of how far you were away from God because you've allowed hostility to eat you up. And this is what Saul is going through. He ruins 25 or a quarter percent of the greatest years of his life to get even or angry or bitter towards someone. Don't waste the best years of your life with bitterness. David is getting ready to teach us some amazing lessons in the next four chapters. He's going to teach us the power of restraint. Looking from the outside, looking in, it looks like David has every reason and every right to kill Saul. He never asked to be his armor bearer. He never asked to be his musician. He never asked to be in the kingship. He never asked to be in the kingdom. He was minding his own business, sitting up, feeding his father's sheep, and all of a sudden, his whole life changes, and the enemy hates him for no reason when you brought me into the house to begin with. He's thrown spears at him. He's killed his reputation. He's played with his livelihood. He's made him leave his family. He's made his, he made him put his family in caves in Moab, his mother and father, because Saul was going to kill them. I don't know about you, but from the outside looking in, I think that David has every reason to get revenge on Saul. Can I be honest? There have been some things that have been done to us that from the outside looking in, all of us would look at you and say, you got every reason (laughs) to get back because of what that person did. Oh, I'm the only one. (laughs) Praise God. I got a witness in here. From the outside looking in, we all have been done wrong. And from the outside looking in, it appears that we have every right to be vindicated and to get vengeance for the things that were done towards us. Bad relationships, bad friendships, bad parenting, bad bad things that happen in our jobs. Everything has happened and it appears that I have every reason in the world to get even because I was done wrong and I want vengeance. I sound passionate about this, don't I? But God shows us that sometimes he restrains you because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Let God arise and his enemies will be scattered. When you give it to God, God takes control over the situation. But when you take control over the situation, you make it more of a mess. 
Because now your vengeance is going to cause more catastrophes. Now you're going to draw out a longer battle. But when God gets involved and he brings the situation right, God knows how to bring end and closure to the situation the way he wants to bring ending and closure to a situation. So David runs to the land of En Gedi. He's still running from Saul. And he goes into this cave. Watch this. Dad Herbert was preaching to me today. He don't know. I'm stealing it now. He goes into this cave with 600 people. Imagine a cave that can hold 600 people. No, 600 men. And they had wives. And they had children. So we got to multiply that by four, at least. 2,400 people in a cave. David is hiding in a cave, in a dark place, in the darkest place of his life, in a place that he feels like he shouldn't even be at. And sometimes we've been done so wrong that we've been placed inside of places that we feel like we shouldn't even be there. Why am I in this dark place? I've done nothing wrong. Why am I here? And Saul is on the run looking for David and they surround the cave. And the Bible says, and Saul goes afar off to relieve himself. Now, y'all, I don't think I have to explain to y'all what relieve himself is. <laughs> I'll say this, it ain't a number one. <laughs> now, if you translate the Hebrew, <laughs> translate the Hebrew, it goes a little bit deeper. Saul got comfortable, took his clothes off, because he didn't want the smell in his clothes. I'm t- that's just me adding there. He goes into the cave to relieve himself. Watch this. Not knowing that just a few feet back, there's 2,400 people hiding. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I wish Martin Scorsese Scorsese made this movie. This would be so awesome. (laughs) Or or, or Quentin Quentin Tarantino. I don't like them TBN movies. I need somebody that can, like, give me the action pack. This is, like, so tense right now. He's inside of this this cave hiding, and the person that's looking for him to kill him is inside the cave too, relieving himself. And David grabs his sword, walks up, and his homie that's with him says, this is what God was talking about. Lesson number one, know what God says to you for yourself. Amen, that's right. Because God never told David to kill Saul. Amen. But if you have people around you that will tell you what you want to hear, mm-hmm. you'll end up doing stuff that you ain't supposed to do. Amen. So he tells him, kill David. This is your time, man. Get that sword and chop his head off. And let's, this is it, man. And for a minute, David got caught up in it. Grabbed his sword and cut the garment of Saul while he was relieving himself. And immediately, conviction set in. Because he realized that I ain't supposed to touch this man. This battle is no longer mine. This battle is God's. My question is, then God, if this battle is yours, why have I been running for 10 years? (laughs) If this battle is mine, 
Why do you have me fleeing? Why am I losing everything? Why does it seem like my world is falling apart when you keep telling me you got this? All right, I'm sorry. I'm talking to God like I talk to God. I'm struggling, God, because you keep telling me you got this, but every Friday, the bill man is knocking. By the end of the month, I'm stressed out. You keep saying you got this, but the same mess keeps going on at work. You keep saying you got this, but my family keep getting on my nerves. God, do you really got this? No, y'all don't ask these questions. And the reason why God has him running for 10 years is because God has to teach him how to get the shepherd mentality out of him before he becomes a king. Go ahead, go ahead. You can't move into kingship with a shepherd's mentality. The higher you go in life, the more haters you're going to have. Amen. The higher you go in life, the more opposition you're going to have. The higher you go in life, the more trials and tribulations you're going to have. So what I'm doing is I'm putting you through basic boot camp. So that when I reign, reign, make you king of Israel, and when I give you that crown, the things that you would usually go off about, you're going to have patience for because you're going to be able to choose what's important in life to deal with and what to let go. Amen. There are certain arguments you can't have. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to that in the next chapter. <laughs> there are certain issues you can't deal with. There are certain things people are going to say about you, but you got to keep it moving yeah. because your assignment is bigger than what they have to say. Yeah. Y'all quiet here. So he says, the reason why I'm putting you on a 10-year chase is because I'm building your character for the next level of where I'm taking you. And if I could talk to somebody right now, the reason why you're going through, it seems like a wild chase in your life is because God is developing your character for your next level. He's teaching you how to deal with difficult people because eventually you're going to manage difficult people. He's teaching you how to deal with trials and tribulations because you're going to have to be able to minister with to, to people who are going to go through the same situations that you're going through right now. You can't teach me unless you've been through it. So I got to take you through it so you can teach somebody else how to get through it. Some of your greatest trials have given you some of your greatest testimonies. Some of your greatest trials have taught you some of your greatest lessons. You are a source of valuable resources to people because you've been through so many things throughout your life that you can tell some stories that are life changing and that can help somebody. Y'all quiet in here. I wish I could have some honest people in here that can say, I've been a single mother before. I've been a single father before. I've been broke before. I went to college before. I've been in debt before. And because I've been through that, let me teach you something. So what this is teaching us is sometimes we have to rejoice. Even when it appears that we're at our lowest point. Because God is giving you a testimony that's going to bring somebody else through. Sometimes your trial isn't just about you. That's right. Sometimes your trial is about somebody else. Can I help you here real quickly? If David didn't go through this, we wouldn't have half of the Psalms. Amen. 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 If David didn't go through this, we wouldn't have Psalms 34. The most overquoted scripture in Pentecostal history. 
when it's testimony time, I will bless the Lord <laughs> at all times. <laughs> y'all, y'all know. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When my enemy, my enemy, my enemy, my enemy, even the wicked came up against me, they stumbled and fell. (laughs) All those great psalms that y'all say would have never been created. If Saul did, or Samuel or David, I got all of them in the dirt. <laughs> if David didn't go through these trials and tribulations, some of your spiritual songs are going to be created through your trials. Some of the greatest songs you'll ever write, Kara, because I pick on Kara every Sunday she comes in here, is going to be through your greatest storms. Some of the greatest worship songs that are going to be produced through Hope Haven are going to be through some of the harshest storms that this church has ever gone through. And all I need to know while I'm going through the storm is, God, have you promised me that I'll make it to the other side? And if you've promised me that I'll make it to the other side, then I'll do everything I can to endure this storm. David now has conviction because he has ripped Saul's garment. He allowed his emotions to get the best of him for a minute. And immediately he cries and repents. Some of us ain't repent. But there's a conviction because he realizes that he should have never touched them. He realizes that he allowed his emotions for a minute. He failed the test of restraint. He didn't kill Saul, but he still touched Saul. So he failed the test of restraint. And immediately, if you go through this whole chapter, you can go through it when you get home, you begin to see the the conversation that he has with Saul and it makes you even more depressed because he calls Saul his father. He looked at this man as a father figure. The man that's trying to kill me is the man that I admire. I called him father because I was 17 years old. Young man, when you called me into your house to be your musician, I was doing the work of the Lord. I I looked up to you. You were my king. You were what I aspired to be. And it appears that I just became your enemy when I loved you. And the Bible says that David, Saul, repents. And he begins to share with David that he recognized what his destiny was. And it's a shame when somebody sees what God is doing in your life and still tries to destroy you. Amen. And David does something powerful here, and this helped me this week. David forgave Saul. Saul said, come back home with me. But David kept running. Which teaches me a lesson. That sometimes you can forgive, but it don't mean go back home. That's right. Amen. Sometimes I can forgive you, but it does not mean that our relationship will ever be the same. Yeah. Amen. True. 
you showed me who you really were. So it's better for me to forgive you and keep moving than try to forgive you and make this thing work again. When clearly God has shown me that it ain't going to work again. So the greatest lesson that is taught in chapter 24 is to forgive, but don't go back. Because mm. we're going to see in the next few chapters that if David would have went back home, Saul would have killed him. Yes, yes. We're also going to see in the next few chapters, Saul is still on pursuit of David. Yes. So David does the proper thing. Now, remember, if we go back to the last chapter last week, everything that David did was ordered by God. Every time you go to that last chapter we did last week, every time David was getting ready to make a step, he always sought God. Amen. Are you seeking God for your next step? Because if you're not seeking God for your next step, you'll forgive somebody, you'll reconnect with them, and you'll put yourself back in a disaster again. I love you. I forgive you. But I got to keep it moving. This is hard. This is hard. Because this is all David has known since he was 17 years old. This is the only man that he knew. Other than Jesse. But Jesse didn't even honor him as much as Saul honored him. Jesse left him out in the field to just take care of sheep. While he brought the other boys in. Hoping that one of them would be king. That showed you the type of relationship he had with his father. Amen. But it also shows you with David and with his father that even when David was under pressure, David still protected the father that left him out in the sheep, mm-hmm. sheepfold. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So now we get to chapter 25 because David keeps running. And while David keeps running, he goes into the cave of this next place. Before we go there, Samuel dies. 20, 25th chapter. Samuel has died. Y'all with me? Samuel has died. Now, let's let's go back. Who was Samuel's mentor? Eli. And 1 Samuel 3 and 1, it says, and the word was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. And the Lord ministered to who? But now Samuel has died. Which means the vision of Israel has closed again. Yes, yes. Mm. Mm. And we're going to see that Saul's going to get desperate in the 28th chapter on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And he's going to seek other sources because there's no open vision in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Samuel has died. And all, all, all Israel assembled to mourn for him. And they buried him by his home in Ramah. So Saul's there, David's there. This is a great funeral. This is this is a home going, home going. I'm talking about home going, home going. Like Aretha Franklin home going service, eight hours. But watch this, as soon as the funeral was over, David then went down to the wilderness of Paran. He immediately runs. He doesn't connect with Saul at the funeral and say, oh, bro, we got to connect again. <laughs> Let's chop it up. So, no, 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 no. I pay my respects to Samuel. Hey, Saul. <laughs> I'm going at you. <laughs> Gone. Now, 
as he's in the wilderness of Paran, there's an open field. Am I boring y'all today? There's an open field of sheep. What was David's first occupation? So he has a heart for other shepherds and for sheep. So he's watching these other shepherds take care of these sheep. In those days, whenever sheep were around, there were people called raiders. They would come in and they would steal sheep from shepherds and take off with their stuff. David, having the heart of a shepherd, would stop these men from raiding these fields that belong to these shepherds. Didn't have to. But because he had the heart of a shepherd, he protected other shepherds. So these raiders come in for no reason at all. David don't got to be involved. He got his own issues. And we always see every time David is trying to mind his business, he gets involved in somebody else's drama. David is minding his business. And as he's minding his business, he sees these raiders come in and he's, get out of here. They take off. Now it's the shearer season. Shearing is when you take the wool off of the lamb. Now the farmers have harvests. And during harvest season, you celebrate that God has allowed your fruits to grow and you eat, you offer a tenth up to the Lord. You you even give some to the poor and you keep the rest for yourself. And if you got a huge produce, you can sell it. You, You the produce junction of Israel. You killing the game. You making money. But for the shearers or for the shepherds, they have shearer season where they would take the wool and they would sell the wool. They would give a tenth to God and then they would give to the poor. David recognizes that it's the celebration for the shearers. Mm -hmm. And he goes to this man by the name of Nabal and says, hey, man, um, I got a family of 600 here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got a thousand sheep, 1500 goats. Um, You mind if you share a little bit of wool with us? We we struggling. It's cold. Winter getting ready to hit. Um, I just want to bring to your attention, back in the day, a couple weeks ago, some raiders came, and I, I was minding my business, but I didn't want them to rob you, so I got involved, and I kept them away from your stuff, so in return, if you'd be so kind, could you please share some of your wool with me? Nabal says, if you don't get out of here, I ain't sharing my wool with nobody. Watch this, he even asked the question, who is David? Nabal's name means fool. (laughs) Literally. His literal name means fool. They go take the word back to David. David immediately gets his sword and goes to jumping. The shepherds go run back to Nabal's wife. They don't even go to Nabal. They go to his wife, whose name is Abigail, and say, Abigail, Uh, It's in the Bible. I ain't making this up. This is their boss. This fool right here. (laughs) This is the Joel Moorfield translation. This fool right here just told David that he wasn't giving him nothing. And those guys were protecting us out there when those raiders were trying to kill us. Yes, yes. Imagine going to the boss's wife calling the boss a fool. That tells you the type of dysfunction that was going on between Abigail and Nabal to begin with. 
Shit, nobody be able to walk up to Rachel and call me a fool. I hope not. <laughs> Abigail has wisdom. And she immediately runs out. She brings five sheep with her. She brings wine. She brings cheese. She brings an offering and says, ha, 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 watch this. David has to learn the power of restraint. Now watch this. You had grace with Saul, but now you don't want to show grace with Nabal, which means that you're choosy over who you're showing your grace to. Lesson number two, told y'all lesson number one. Lesson number two, show the same grace to everybody. Be as kind to the CEO as you are to the janitor. Because you never know what the janitor is doing when he's not working. He possibly could be going to school to be the CEO one day. David is choosy over who he's going to show his grace to. Abigail jumps out on the scene and she stops him and she centers him and she reminds him of his destiny. She says, David, you're getting ready to be king. Why stoop down to the level of a fool when God is trying to do great things for you? That is a lesson in itself. Why in the world are we going to scoop down to the levels of fools when God has great things in store for us? Can I talk to y'all? Why in the world are you texting back and forth with a fool? Why are you in the comment section of Facebook arguing with fools? Why are you on Twitter going back with fools? Yeah, I'm preaching to you, Royce. Why are you? Why are we going back with fools? When God is trying to get you to the palace, yes, yes. she centers him and she reminds him of his destiny. Every once in a while, we need somebody to remind us of where God is trying to take us. Amen. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Girl, you done came too far Positive. to be bothering with that fool. Yo, all right, I'm talking to myself. Man, you too go- man, you got too much going on for yourself to be bothering with that fool. Fool, let me remind you of where God is trying to take you. Don't go there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Amen. And every once in a while, we need to be Abigails. Yeah, fellas. We could be Abigails, too. <laughs> West, don't go there. Keep your composure, man. God's got too much for you. Don't go off. Don't lose your job over a fool. I'm I'm just using an excuse. I don't don't know what's going on in this job. He might have a fool there. (laughs) Don't lose your compassion. He centers her. She centers him. And then she says, and by the way, don't forget me. Watch this. There are only three times in the Bible. He couldn't forget her. Because there's only three times in the Bible that the Bible describes women as beautiful. One is Rachel. (laughs) 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 Hashando. 
The other one is Esther. And the other one is Abigail. We know Sarah is pretty, but the Bible never described her as beautiful. She had to be fine. She was something 70 something years old and the king of the Philistines wanted to marry her. You a beautiful woman. You got these young kings all after you. You go ahead, Sister Sarah. We know Bathsheba was fine because he was married to Abigail who the Bible tells us was beautiful. But Bathsheba's over there minding her business, washing herself on the roof. And David said, "Whoa, I need her in my life. But only three times in the Bible does it describe physically that women are beautiful. And it is Rachel, Esther, and Abigail. So she looks at him and says, don't forget me. And I can imagine, I'm just reading David's mind. Girl, I ain't. <laughs> and puts his sword back in and says, all right, I'm going to hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles. Because victory, victory shall be mine. And David holds restraint. Watch this. That night, I told you it's a festi festival. They're, they're, they're celebrating. And Nabal, with his foolish self, is getting drunk. And she says, oh, um, while you sitting here celebrating, um, earlier today, I went to go see David, the man that you said that you weren't going to get no wool to. And the Bible says that he freezes yes. and falls yes. and 10 days later dies, mm -hmm. which means that he probably had a stroke. David never had to raise his hand. The victory belonged to God. If David would have prematurely killed Nabal, he would have had a new battle. Because Nabal was wealthy, which tells us he had hundreds of servants himself, which would tell us it would have been a whole nother battle that we would have had to read a whole nother chapter about. And I'll be talking about we got to go another week. <laughs> and he dies by the strength of God because David holds his peace. Hold your peace. And when you see someone you love getting ready to lose their peace, be that Abigail to them and remind them of their destiny. And David, watch this, comes back, realizes that Abigail is single <laughs> and says, come on with me, girl, <laughs> and marries Abigail. And watch this. And she's so rich, she got five handmaidens that tend to her. That's right. And he takes all five of them with him. Yeah. <laughs> so that adds on to that army of 600 that he got. That's right. Because that was just 600 men. Now he got a wife. He got another wife along the way. And then the Bible says, and Saul took his daughter back from David and gave her to another man. Amen. Saul is petty. <laughs> petty LaBelle. <laughs> 26 chapter. Y'all still walking with me? Yes. 26 chapter. David is on the run now again. And look who came to Saul. What's their names? Y'all remember that name? Yes. We learned about them last week. Chapter 23. Mm -hmm. Who are they descendants of? Caleb. Mm -hmm. And where do they run? To where? To Saul, where is Saul dwelling? Gibeah. Gibeah. Gibeah is in what tribe? Gibeah. 
Benjamin. Benjamin. They run. I, don't, I, I wish I had a map. I, I was going to send y'all a map, but I didn't want to put no more work on y'all. Gibeah and Ziph is mad far from each other, which meant they went out of their way to snitch. <laughs> I have no respect for these dudes because you went out of your way to snitch on me. What are they getting out of this? Now remember, who are they descendants of? Caleb, and what is Caleb known for? Spying. They taking this spying thing a little too far. They one of those guys, my daddy was a spy, so I'm gonna be a spy. <laughs> one of those guys that take their job too serious. Like, like, you know, you work security at the mall, and you just think you're like Inspector Gadget now, you just in every store, just, <laughs> just trying to find somebody doing something wrong. Like, you just overdoing it. This is the Ziphites, going too far. And they said, David is hiding on the hill of Hecla, opposite of Jishima. So Saul accompanied by how many? 3,000 of the choice men of Israel went to the wilderness of Zemph for David there. Next verse, I'm gonna work this one, and then we're gonna close. Saul camped beside the road at the hill of Hikalot opposite of Jeshimon. David was living in the wilderness and discovered Saul had come after him. Now watch this. Remember I told you, so David forgave, but he didn't go back home because he knew that one day Saul was going to try to come back again. He was always on his P's and Q's just in case Saul decided to come back. You got to learn how to watch and pray. All right, I'm going to leave this alone. <laughs> we was praying in Camden one night, and everybody's heads was down. <laughs> and we on Broadway. It's busy. Now, I believe in God. I know, I know that God is all-being and all-powerful. But I also got wisdom. Amen. So while everybody's head is down and they going in, my eyes is open. That's right. Somebody's got to be watching. And they're like, yo, man, you're supposed to be looking down. I said, the Lord said, watch and pray. Yes, you <laughs> <laughs> like you're not going you, you, gotta, you gotta be aware David is walking and following the steps of God but he's aware that there's still an enemy after him David was living in the wilderness and discovered Saul had come there after him so David sent out spies and knew for certain that Saul had come watch this I'm almost done. Immediately, David went to the place where Saul had camped, and he saw the place where Saul and Abner, the son of Ner, the general of his army, were what? You're supposed to be the general of the army. You ain't supposed to be sleeping with the king. The king is the only one supposed to be rested. You done got comfortable in your position. And when you're supposed to be watching leadership, you're trying to be like leadership. So he exposed his leader because he's resting like the leader. Saul was laying down inside what? The inner circle of the camp with the troops camped around him. How many people are there? 3,000. So I want you to think about this. There's one man laying straight, straight down, and there's 3,000 men circled around him sleeping too. Ain't nobody up. What did I tell you about this army? Next verse. Then David asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Joab's brother Abishai, son of Zeruah, who will go with me into the camp of Saul? I'll go with you, answered who? 
Abishai, watch this. How many people were with David at the time? 600. 3,000 are with Saul. So there's a 600 army versus a 3,000 army. Who is Abishai? Abishai is one of those 400 men that were scared four chapters ago. Remember we talked about this last week? And we talked about how God sometimes has to prepare you for battles and put you through battles so you're not afraid of confrontation. <laughs> he started out as a debt, distress, and in despair, and now he's become David's greatest warrior. Yes, yes. Bless God. Bless God. Look at his development yeah. while walking with David. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he says, who will go with me into the camp of Saul? I'll go with you, answered Abishai. All his fear has left because he recognizes that the Lord is on David's side. Right. Next verse. That night, David and Abishai came to the troops and Saul was laying there asleep in the inner circle in the camp with his spear struck in the ground by his head. Abner and his troops were lying around. What's by his head? And what do we know about that spear? He, he just be throwing it at everybody and just missing. <laughs> Next verse. Then Abishai said to David, today God has handed your enemy over to you. Let him thrust the spear into the ground just once. I won't have to strike him twice. Look, look who's talking. But David answered to Abishai. Watch this. This is Abishai talking. Abishai said to David, today God has handed your enemy over to you. That's him talking, that ain't God talking. What I tell you, be careful of who's telling you stuff and know what God has said for yourself. God has never told David to kill Saul, but look at his friends around him. And look how bold Abishai gets. Today God has handed him over to you. Let me thrust the spear through him into the ground just once. Watch this, be careful who you share your conflicts with. Because they'll carry your animosity and then try to fight on your behalf for you when God's trying to work it out. I talk about this all the time. Me and Ray get in an argument. She calls Vanessa up, Joel, get on my nerves. And then Vanessa come here next Sunday hating my guts. Meanwhile, me and Rachel all booed up. <laughs> but she's carrying that animosity saying, let me, let me strike him into the ground one time. I got a spear. <laughs> Abishai is carrying David's beef. But luckily, David understands what God has told him to do and restrains Abishai for interrupting in something that doesn't involve him. And he tells him, I won't have to strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. For who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointed and be blameless? Woo! That's strong, ain't it? Yes. He's a, the Lord's anointed and he's trying to kill me. All this that I'm going through with somebody trying to kill me has to do with the Lord's anointed. That's tough. Next verse. David added, as the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike. The Lord will who? The Lord will do what? Strike. The Lord is going to do this. Either this, either his day will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. I ain't got no involvement. I learned my lesson with Nabal. Let God be God no matter how long it takes. 
However, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointing. Instead, take the spear and the water drug by his head and let's go. So watch this. The spear is where? And the water is where? And what's around him? 3,000 men, which means that they're tiptoeing past 3,000 men to get the spear and the jug of water and they're tiptoeing back. And there ain't a light sleeper. They all must be on a Daniel's fast. <laughs> Yo, I'll be sleeping so good right now. <laughs> I'll be waking up like, what happened? <laughs> when you ain't got that meat in your body, the Lord speaks at night, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, why, so he says, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointing. Instead, take the spear and the jug, water jug by his head and let's go. Next verse. So David took the spear and the water jug by Saul's head and they went on their way. No one saw them, no one knew, and no one woke up. They all remained asleep because a deep sleep from who? No. The Lord came over them, which tells you that God was part of the process because David held his peace. If David would have tried to get vengeance with Abishai, those 3,000 men would have woke up and it would have been a whole nother battle. And David crossed the other side and stood on the top of the mountain at the distance there was a considerable space between them. Next verse. Then David shouted to the troops and to Abner, the son of Ner, aren't you going to answer Abner? He doesn't call out Saul. He calls out his commander. Where was you at? You're supposed to be the secretary of defense. Where you at, bro? Watch this. That used to be my position. You tried to take what I was anointed to do and look at you. You can't keep up. Where you at, Abner? Who are you who calls to the king? Abner asked David. David called to Abner. You're a man, aren't you? Who in Israel is your equal? So why didn't you protect your Lord, the king, when one of the people came to destroy him? Next verse. What you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you deserve to die since you did not protect your Lord, the Lord's anointed. Now look. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and said, watch this. Is that your voice, my son, David? <laughs> See, right there, I would have stopped and like, I ain't your son. Anyway. <laughs> it is my voice, my lord, and your king, David said. Then he continued, why is my lord pursuing his servant. Again, why are you pursuing me? We, you just, we just had a truce two chapters ago. Why are you still chasing me? Amen. What have I done? What evil is in my hand? Now may my Lord the King please hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has incited you against me, then may he, may he accept an offering. But it, if it is the Lord, may they be cursed in the presence of the Lord for today. Watch this. For today, they have driven me away from my sharing in the inheritance of the Lord. Watch this. They kicked me out of the church wow. for something that I didn't do. I had to leave my inheritance. I had to leave Judah for something that I didn't have to do. And you put me in position to worship an idol. I'm going to stop here. I see your eyes get heavy. Saul now says, I'm sorry, man. Again, apologizes. 
They make truce. He tells David again, you're going to be king one day. He understands his destiny. Once again, he tries to get David to come back home. But David forgives. But he doesn't go back home. I'm going to close here in the 27th chapter. There's only 12 verses there. We're not going to go through that. Ten years. Ten years. He's been on the run. I don't know about y'all, but after one year, I'd be weary. From about 18 years old to 28 years old, David has been on a run from Saul. He's missed his whole 20s. He's missed the prime of his life running from the king. He's weary. And when you're weary, you make weary decisions. Exactly. Can I ask y'all a question? We just been through four chapters. We went through chapter 24, 25, 26, 27. Can I ask y'all a question? In chapter 23 last Sunday, David went to God about four or five times. Can y'all show me in chapter 24, 25, 26, 27 where David grabbed the ephod? Can y'all show me in chapter 24, 25, 26, 27 where David prayed? Can y'all show me in chapters 24, 25, 26, 27 where David sought the Lord? He was weary. He's tired. Because God, I've been praying and nothing is changing. I wish I could be honest. I've prayed all I can pray and my life has been the same for 10 years. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. David is tired. He's 28. And for 10 out of 28 years, he's been on a run from a man. That's, I'm tired. I'm tired reading it. And David becomes weary. Y'all remember that guy, the prophet Gad, a few chapters ago? Mm-hmm. What did Gad tell him? Go where? Go back home to Judah. David did that. But even in Judah, there was conflict. The Ziphites start snitching on him. Mm-hmm. Nabal start acting a fool. Saul keeps coming. So now he's tired in his hometown, but the Lord told him to stay in Judah. But now we get to the 27th chapter and because he's weary, tired and has not sought the Lord, he makes a decision that was not of God and he goes to the land of the Philistines. When you're weary, you make weary decisions. And now he's in a land that he doesn't belong in. And it sounds great when you read the 27th chapter because he's going in and he's expanding the borders of of Judah. But he's also lying. He's lying to the king of Achish. You know that Gath is jacked up. Because when you read the 27th chapter, it says, and when Saul heard that David was in Gath, Saul stopped pursuing him. David, Saul even knew, don't go over there. (laughs) Gath is where Goliath was from. That's right. There's giants over there. Yes. David going to (laughs) die. Saul said, all right, my hands is clean. He done killed himself by going there. Mm -hmm. 
And David is, seems like he's doing success, but because he's not listening to God and because he made a decision out of weariness, he's lying to the king. Now he's becoming a liar. He's killing people and making enemies that are eventually going to come back. And he's now creating more battles because he goes to the king of Akish and he asks him, he says, um, your land in Gath, this land right here is too big. Why don't you give me one of your cities on the outskirt? And he gives him a land called Ziglag. And next Sunday, we're going to talk about Ziglag. And we're going to find out that a battle happened in Ziglag for two reasons. One, because Saul didn't do what he was supposed to do. But also the battle happened because David was in a land that he should have never been in. Amen. And when you make weary decisions, you end up in places you're not supposed to be and you pick up battles in your life that you never should have had because you're in a place that you never should have been. I'm done here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I could have closed strong. I'll do that at somebody else's church. <laughs> Look at your name. I'm going to give you my, my four points. I got four points, right? Point number one. The screen is blue and white. <laughs> Sometimes we must forgive but not go back. I think I've said that about 10 times through this message. Number two. Keep the same grace for all people. Don't discriminate. Number three. Am we moving too fast? Be careful who you share your issues with. I think I, I think I hit every single point today. And number four, when weary, we must depend on God. Because if we depend on ourselves and make weary decisions in our own strength, we'll burn ourselves out. I want to run part four. It's the last time David's running. We have. Four chapters left, three chapters left, and we're done with this whole chapter of 1 Samuel. We have been in 1 Samuel since October. Praise God. We're done. Been in 1 Samuel since October. So <clears throat> that's the four points that I want to give you guys. Um, let's just have a word of prayer, and then let's get out of here. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this message on today, God. A lot of information, a lot of valid points, God. A lot of things, God, that may hit home with some of us, God. God, I pray, God, that you help us with our restraint, that you give us the strength to forgive, but that you also give us the strength not to go back into something that you delivered us from. Touch each and every single person in this room, name by name, one by one, God. You know their needs, God. You know their wants, God. God, we ask, God, that you give them the desires of their heart, God, that you make a way, God. We pray, God, that your perfect will is done. We pray, God, for the Scipio family, God, that is mourning this week, God, uh, the loss of their mother, God. We ask, God, that you comfort and strengthen them on this week, God. And God, we ask, God, that you continue, God, to keep us during this Daniel fast, God. Strengthen our bodies, God. Strengthen our hearts, God. Allow us, God, to continue, God, to work together in unity. And Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. 
Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.